Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host. It's your girl, Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 117, and tonight's topic is a movie review. And I will be reviewing one of my most favorite movies of all time. When I did my uh, special episode from my 50th episode of recording, and I did my favorite 50 movies of the 90s, A Bronx Tale came in at number one. It is literally one of my favorite all-time movies. And I have been wanting to do this. So this this episode means a lot to me because, like I said, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, it came out in 1993, directed by the great Robert De Niro, who is a legend. And it was starring Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri. It boxed office at $17.3 million. And this was actually wrote by Chaz Palminteri, the guy who plays Sonny in the movie. And it also stars <clears throat> Lilo Brancato, who played Collagero, the older version of him. And Francis Capra, who played the youngest, the younger version of um, Collagero, the nine-year-old. It has the beautiful Terrell Hicks playing Jane Williams and the legend, the fucking legend, Joe Pesky. J- Joe Pesky is an amazing actor. He is one of my favorite actors. I love him in all of his, you know, mobster movies. I love him in Home Alone. Like Joe Pesky, his acting has a long range. He is amazing. Um, This was a really, really good movie. And... When you hear Chaz Palminteri's story of when he wrote it and what he went through, you know, how people kept passing, like, you know, people wanted to do stuff with it, but they had, you know, this they wanted to do and this they wanted to do. And no, this was his baby. This was his project. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to play Sonny. And it was a one man screenplay that he still does. Like it inspired me so much. Um, that is one of my favorite movies. And when I first started writing my book, and you guys know I'm still in the process of writing my first novel, I Am Not Done, I had got to a point where uh, I had almost kind of gave up. Sometimes I, I do that. I get down on myself. And I remember I had went out to my car, and I was just sitting in my car watching YouTube videos, and his interview popped up. And I clicked on it. And he was talking about, you know, the process of what he went through to – write this story and to get it to where it became and you know it wasn't an easy process and that motivated me and inspired me to that same night I went in my room and just got the writing and it was just so inspiring and I remember the first time I watched this movie I was young I was like in middle school and I used to go to church every Sunday just about um if I didn't go with my mom, I went with my grandma. And I remember that Sunday I didn't go and I was laying in my bed, sleeping in, cut my TV on, scrambling through channels. And I remember, I think it was 28. That was USA Network back in the day on cable. And I, the beginning caught me like I clicked on it, never had seen it. And it was something about that beginning. And then I'm like, this look interesting. And I was going to turn, but I kept it on there and I fell in love ever since. 
Like it had me like the first, I remember the first time I saw this movie, it was a Sunday morning and I was a kid and it is one of the greatest movie of all times. It has some of the best gems that you can use and carry on in everyday life. Um, one of my favorite sayings, like everyone else is like the saddest thing in life is a waste of talent. I love the saying, nobody cares because clearly um, that can go that can be a deep dive right there. I'll be talking for days. And, you know, it has the lesson in there to be loved or be feared. Like, this movie is so great. When you see a lot of mobster movies, you know it's great when you get, you know, an approval from guys who were official in the mafia. And I remember I was watching one of Michael Franzese, who was a, um, you know, a head in the Colombo family, and he does movie breakdowns as well for mobster movies. And he was saying how this is one of his favorite movies. It is so authentic. So um, that was just a, a little thing about the movie before I get into it. This podcast will be a little lengthy because I do kind of want to review it in full. It's one of my favorite movies. I want to talk about it. So you guys have time to, you know, put me on pause. You can go get some wine or your dinner or some popcorn or, you know, tea, whatever you drink. If you got a roll up, hey, no judgment here, whatever, and sit back and enjoy because this one will be a little lengthy. Um, Don't forget, you can always follow me on my social media platforms. Alicia Shanice for Facebook, Alicia Shanice Reviews for Instagram, or you can email me at Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. You can inbox me, email me, or DM me for any reviews or recaps you would like for me to do. I'll recap documentaries, movies, TV shows, or albums. So all you got to do is hit me up. If you give me a couple days, I'll check out your request and I will do my recap. Um, Don't forget, I always have my music playlist public. They are on Spotify. If you type in Shanice Loves, you will see my music playlist. I know if you click on the picture profile, it'll take you to the rest. I've made them all public for you guys to vibe to. So due to this will be a little lengthy, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the show. So sit back and enjoy. And I hope after you listen to this, this makes you want to go back and watch A Bronx Tale because literally it is one of my favorite movies. And, you know, not only is it my favorite mafia movie, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And for my mafia picks, I got some good ones, okay? Right under here would come The Goodfellas and then Casino. And I love the Bugsy Siegel movie. I love it. It came out in 1991. So I I got some good mob movies that I love. I love that world. I know we've been talking about the cartels and narcos. Eventually, I'll start doing recaps of the mafia movies and documentaries and all. And I do want to recap the interview between Sammy the Bull and Michael Franzese when they went head to head. I watched half of it. It's really, really good. I want to do a recap on that. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I love listening to Michael Franzese. So, yeah. So, on that note, let's go ahead and get into the show and talk a Bronx tale. Name is Shanice, and she's the one. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know.
All right, y'all, let's get into the show and talk a Bronx tale. It's always the beginning for me. The beginning just catches you. On the streets of the Bronx is where Yes, authenticity, realistic, and I'll give it a score 10 out of 10. I love the opening of this movie with the beautiful music in the background playing Streets of the Bronx by Cool Change and how they have the angles of the cameras on top of the buildings in the city and how collateral gives the description of his neighborhood. Um, I, I just will never forget that Sunday morning I watched this movie for the first time. The beginning caught me and it has had me ever since. And it's um, from the forum section of the Bronx as he's explaining it. Um, it's 1960 doo-wop was the sound of the streets and he goes on to describe how it was a doo-wop street or a doo-wop I mean, doo group on each corner of the street and remember back in the 60s you know it was a singing group on every corner <laughs> like even if you watched it's the movie of the temptations and how they have it in the 60s it was a singing group you know singing on each corner you know just you know it's, it's as hard as some of those times was when you talk about the racial tension, which we'll get into that because that's in this movie as well. But, you know, every era just has something special about it. And in certain, you know, in eras of the 60s, certain things were beautiful, especially, you know, certain neighborhoods, you know, the the connection that the family feel of the neighbors and everything. And I'm talking about in all communities, it was just something about the neighborhoods in the 60s. Even when you go back to like a TV show like Wonder Years and, you know, he's talking about his breakdown of, you know, his neighborhood. He's breaking everything down and the structure of that time. So we get him explaining about the New York Yankees was playing, the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. They were, you know, in the middle of the World Series and the Yankees was everything to him and his him and his dad. And Mickey Mans was like a god to him. Um, we see the bar as they're going on and on just in the description where the guys hang out. Um, we see that he lives in, on 667 East 187th Street on the third floor. They show his little stupa where he sit. The description is just amazing. And we see the young Italian men romancing their women. You know, we see the guy like, yo, Marie, get in a fucking car. <laughs> She's like, leave me alone. He like, get in a car. And she like, leave me alone. Come on, baby. You know I love you. Yeah, whatever. Get in a fucking car. <laughs> that opening was everything. And, you know, just that young love of arguing, you know. 
we see the number one man in the neighborhood, Sonny, and everybody worshiped him like a god. And how they would sit on their stool all day and watch him. He um, never looked his way into one day. And that was just a great description and opening. Um, and then the movie does start after, you know, they show us all that and break down the neighborhood and how close knit everything was, how it was a bar on every corner. They do that very, very well. Um, we see the neighborhood of the Bronx. Everyone is outside having a good time playing baseball, selling fruit, pizza, kids playing by the water water hydrant, the ladies at the salon. You got the guys um, getting their shoe shine. Um, just real good times. And that's what I was talking about, about something about the 60s, about how the neighborhoods felt. And we see Lorenzo, Collagero's father. He is the bus driver and the kids as he's driving, they're kind of playing outside on a bus. Every time he drives, they jump on a bus. And then when he stops, they jump off. And then, you know, they kind of going back and forth. And he gets them on the end. When he sees them jump off, he hurries up and takes off. And we see Calandro at nine years old on the bus riding with him. Just him and his, you know, he's just on, on the job with his dad, riding with his dad as they do their routes. And when he drops him off at home, he gets off the bus and he looks straight at the bar on the corner where all the guys are standing. His father is like, go straight upstairs, son. And we see his mom standing in the window waiting on him. Uh, his mom's name was Rosina. And he, uh, he goes on to say how they fell in love young at a dance and been in love ever since. And now he's supposed to go straight in the house right upstairs but he goes downstairs and out the door and that leads him right to the bar on the corner and he just stands there and we get an introduction of the guys we see the guys of the crew which is tony toupee who owned the bar but it was actually really sunny's place and they called him uh tony toupee because he wore the worst toupee and he sung everything he every time he talked to you he sung a song <laughs> And we meet Eddie Mush, the degenerate gambler, and he had the worst luck ever. Everything he touched turned to mush. And then we meet Jojo the Well. If you stared at him long enough, you would watch him get fatter by the minute. <laughs> then you meet Frankie Coffee Cake because his face looked like a coffee cake and he was tough to look at. And then we get introduced to Jimmy Whispers because everything he said was a secret. And that was Sonny's crew, and nobody fucked with them. Um, after we get introduced to the guys, his mom busts him, bust him. She straight busts him straight up. Like, um, what are you doing down here? <laughs> Didn't your dad tell you to come in the house? He like, I was looking for daddy. Mind you, dad just dropped you off, and he kept on going to work. Good one, kid. Good one, though. You tried. You tried. <laughs> So he goes on to describe Sonny and how Sonny had five fingers, but he only used three. We see Collagero mimicking Sonny. You can see like that the neighborhood really looks up to him and, you know, he's God in their neighborhood. So we go and we see uh, later at the dinner table later that day, Collagero, he's sitting there and he, uh, as his mom is fixing their plate, he's like, I'm not in the mood for no steak. Lorenzo like, do you know how many days I had to drive the bus for you to eat steak? He like, seven. 
<laughs> you're like, how did you know? I counted. So you just get like this nice family moment with the um, mom and father and young Collagero. And he asked him, um, you know, he asked him like, were you by the bar today? And he like, no, I wasn't by the bar. He like, oh, your mom told me she caught you by the bar. And she like, tell the truth. And he like, I was by the bar. And young Collagero is like, well, I took a shot. <laughs> and his dad is like, hey, what do you want me to do? He took a shot. But, you know, Lorenzo tells him, like, you know, stay away from the bar. When you get older, you will understand. And we hear that a lot in this movie. Um, it's a lot of gems throughout this whole movie. When you get older, you'll understand. And we see early on in the movie what kind of man Lorenzo is. He's a hardworking family man, straight, narrow guy. And, you know, he surprises him with tickets to the Yankee game. So he's excited. And, you know, mom kind of just gives him that look like he's spoiling his child. <laughs> but we see you know, they're just a straight, narrow family. His dad is a good man, drives a bus, family man, takes care of home. His mom is like the housewife. So we get that family dynamic early in the movie. And as we go on, we meet different people. And we meet Phil the Peddler next, who calls everybody Mary. And we meet Collateral, his little crew of friends, who love to break Phil's balls. They always messing with him, trying to steal his fruit off of his buggy and everything. We meet Slick. They call him Slick because of his hair. And we meet Crazy Mario because he was crazy. So we see they bad. <laughs> they badass taking fruit from off the cart, running, feel upset, yelling at him, calling him a bunch of Marys. And it shows the boys running back to the stool. And they're kind of just like mimicking Sonny and his crew. And we see um, the bus pulls up and we see racism early in this movie. Um we see racism all through this movie. We see it early, and when the bus stops in front of the house, as soon as they see the two young black boys looking out the window, they go to talking shit, basically. And, you know, Slick is like, these niggas got some balls coming through our neighborhood. Collagero is the opposite. You know, he's used to riding the bus with his father, seeing a whole demographic of people, and his father is not like that. You know, and Collagero was like, they don't live here. They're just passing through. So Slick is like, well, how the fuck do you know? Collagero was like, well, my, my father told me. And he like, well, my father told me that's how it starts. And we see early on how your upbringing can have an outcome on the way how you look at everything. So we see Slick talking from the way how he learned from his father. And we see Collagero is the complete opposite from the way he learned from his father. And the other boys, they started chasing the bus, throwing shit at it. And Collagero, he take off at first, but then, you know, he got, he, he get told, get back on his stool. And he sits down and starts, <clears throat> you know, Talking about how cool Sonny is, praising him like, you know, it's nobody cooler than you, Sonny. And as he's sitting there watching, you know, two guys get into it about a parking space, so it looks like. And, you know, they get into it. One guy gets out. He starts hitting the other one with the baseball bat. And then Sonny just comes out of nowhere and gets to busting. The crew comes out. They clean the street fast. They get the car and the other guy the fuck out of there. So 
Sunny and Collateral, they lock eyes for the first time. Mind you, all this time, this little boy has been obsessed with this man. He's like the god of the neighborhood. And this is the first time he has ever looked his way. And they straight lock eyes because he has this nine-year-old child has seen seen and witnessed him do a murder right in front of his face and walk away like it's basically nothing. And um his Lorenzo, his father, he comes and grabs him instantly, like get in his house. So he tries telling his parents, like, Dad, they they were fighting over a parking space. And his mom is like a parking space. And his dad tells him, son, it wasn't over a parking space. They just met at the wrong time in their lives. And Rosina is like, what type of answer is that? And I mean, not even one minute later, the cops, they is at the door. Like, damn. <laughs> I mean, not even a minute later, they are like, we are here because your son might have witnessed a, you know, a murder outside, well, a shooting outside, they say. And well, they say a little while ago, but literally it was like a minute later. Lorenzo, he like, he ain't seen nothing. And Collagero is like, dad, I saw everything. Child. <laughs> so they take Collagero downstairs and the whole neighborhood is staring at them. They have him do a lineup in the middle of the fucking street. Like, what the... I mean, as soon as they walk downstairs, I mean, everybody in their mama is just outside staring. And they have him do a lineup, like, right there. They put him in front of all of the guys from the bar. He like, is that him? He like, no. Is that him? No. Is that him? No. And when they finally make it to Sonny, he looks at Sonny. He pauses for a moment. He looks at his dad and they're like, is that him? And he's like, no. And he goes on to say, as you know, his dad is like, he ain't, he haven't seen nothing. He's like, yeah, your kid doesn't know anything. And they walk back to the home, to their, to their building. And he's like, dad, dad, I did a good thing, right? Because, you know, he goes on to say the lowest thing um, anybody could be in their neighborhood was a rat. And he did not want to be a rat. And when he does that, that catches Sonny's attention 100%. Collateral is so happy. He just goes, keeps going on saying, Dad, I didn't rat. I did a good job. I did a good job. We fooled him, Dad. We fooled him. And his dad is like, yes, yeah, son, you, you did a good thing for a bad man. And, you know, when you get older, you will understand. And we hear that throughout this whole movie. And at nine years old, he didn't understand that. So when Lorenzo comes in his room to check on him tonight, he assures him, like, you did do the right thing. And we see the next day, Lorenzo and Collagero, they're on the bus. They're listening to jazz. I love their father and son relationship and how he was structuring his son to be a man, you know, work hard, morals talking about their love for baseball. You just see a loving father and son relationship, like a real father. And I loved it that. And he goes on to tell him like, you know, the saddest thing in life is a waste of talent. One of the many gems we hear in this movie, wasted talent. That is so, you know, like I said, you hear gems in this movie that you can take on for your everyday life.
I love how they both do a prayer <laughs> while they listen to the game. And when they make it back to the neighborhood and Collateral gets off the bus, Jimmy whispers, Sonny's right-hand man jumps up to offer Lorenzo a job. We see the rest of the crew and Sonny, they playing baseball on the corner and they kind of like watching Whispers go talk to Lorenzo. And he offers him a job, $150 a week, which was really good money in the 60s. And all he has to do is drop off numbers. And Lorenzo, he respectfully declines due to not wanting to get involved with them. Um, he has a city job and if he gets caught, it's a wrap. So he, you know, he doesn't do it disrespectful or tasteful. He, he respectfully, respectfully declines. And, you know, even when Jimmy whispers, just tells him like, well, you know, will you just think about it? And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. You can tell he's mad and, you know, he's upset, disappointed. Like you're saying no to Sonny. And later on at night when him and his wife, are on the porch that night and they're kind of like talking. He tells her like, um, they offered me a job. And then she's like, what did you say? And he like, nah, you know, you get involved with those guys. And she's like, well, it's only numbers. And he like, nah, it's, it's, it's the principle. So you could tell she's a little disappointed that money could have helped. And she kind of gets up like let me go check on the baby and he kind of grabs her like are you sorry you got stuck with a bus driver she like i fell in love with your uniform <laughs> you know we just get a beautiful moment and see that they are still in love after all of these years so we get into the next scene and we see collateral laying in his bed and the funeral was across the street it was just outside and we also see just how small this neighborhood was how everything was on each corner and we see um the guy who was murdered his son was looking like he was the same age as collateral and looking very very angry and upset as he should for you know the loss of his father so it shows him going to confession the next day. And, you know, he does this little confession <laughs> to the priest. He like, I missed mass twice. I lied about witnessing a murder. Oh, and I ate, I ate meat on Friday once. And the father is like, uh, back up. What did you say? He like, oh, I ate meat on Friday once. He like, no, no, no. I lied about witnessing a murder. That's the one. <laughs> and, you know, he like, now tell father what happened do you know what the fifth commandment is and then he like thou shall not kill he like yeah now tell father what happened and he like no i can't do that father your god is bigger than my guy up there but my guy is bigger than your guy down here so he like you have a point son five hail marys and our five our fathers and he like, for a murder rap? That's not bad, father. <laughs> like, what did you say? And he takes off talking about how, you know, he loves being Catholic. And that's what most of the men in the mafia, um, especially back then, they were Catholic. So, like I said, this whole movie is just so realistic. And we see um, Collagero fixing a chain on his bike. And he's asked to go see Sonny by one of his guys. Now... All this time, he has been so obsessed with Sonny. But when he gets in there, he is just a nine-year-old 
scared, shy child. He's very shy. And they finally meet face to face. And Sonny asks him, like, are you afraid of him? Afraid of me? And he's like, no. So, you know, they start off with small talk. They talk about baseball. And, you know, Collagero tells him how he's a big Yankee fan and how he was so upset that they lost and, you know, Mickey Man was crying. And Sonny and Jimmy Whispers kind of laugh. And they like, Mickey Man, that's who made you cry? Who makes 100000 a year? And how much does your father make if, you know, he loses his jobs and can't pay the rent? Let's see if Mickey Man cares. Nobody cares. And Sonny goes on to say that a lot in this movie. And Collagero asks him, he just asks him straight out like a young man, did you shoot that man over a parking space? And he tells him, when you get older, you will understand. So from that one little introduction and meeting, he goes on to say, from that day on, he never felt the same about the Yankees again. And that showed you how quick he grew up just from that that small introduction of Sonny. So that conversation changed his whole outlook on everything that was important to him at nine years old. Um, it then goes on to show us how not only does Collagero supposed to be staying away from the bar, but his nine-year-old self is working there. He started spending more time with Sonny. I loved all of the music they play in this movie. I love 60s music. Um, I actually have a 60s playlist as well. If you guys want to check that out, it's exclusively on Spotify when you type in the Shanice Loves. But I love 60s music, and that's what made me fall in love with this movie even more. I love the soundtrack. So we see um, they playing the song. And it's my jam. I can't think of who's singing right now, but ain't it a kick in the head? My head keeps spinning. Mm-mm, mm-mm, uh-uh. <laughs> this whole soundtrack, it just does it for me, child. So we um we see how he would serve all of the guys drinks and coffee, and they would give him tips. He is working in the bar, child. This dice game scene was everything. We see Sonny, he rolled a three at first, and he is pissed. And here comes Mush. (laughs) And Sonny just let him in like, you already know what's going to fucking happen. They let Mush come in. He get the roll in the dice, like, Papa need a brand new pair of shoes. And he rolls an eight, and they just all laugh, like, knowing Mush is about to come, and he just going to lose. He's a Mush. So Sonny calls the kid over. He lets the kid roll the dice for him. They all put 500 on him. He rolls a seven. They put 1,000 on him. He rolls a four. And, you know, they put $500 more down, and he rolls a hard four. And he do 11 passes in a row. And they got this game jumping. But it was just the funniest dice game in the world because everybody got put into the bathroom. Mush got through in the bathroom because he was a jinx. JoJo got through in the bathroom because he was breathing on Sunny. Coffee Cake got through in the bathroom because he wouldn't put a towel over his face. And we just see young Collagero was on a roll. And... 
he goes on to say how he was getting two educations, one from the street and one from school, twice as smart because he was getting that game. And he gives, um, Sonny ends up giving him some money after the game. And that's when we get introduced to his new nickname where he like, you know what? We got to do something about that name, Collagero. You know what? From now on, your name will be C. So from there on, his name is C. And everybody in the neighborhood starts to treat him nice and different. Even Phil the Peddler, he starts giving him free peaches, child. Remember, Phil the Peddler didn't like none of them kids. <laughs> and when C walks in the house, he's just so happy to give his mama some peaches. And both of his parents are standing there and they are waiting on him. They done found $600 in his room. And his dad is like, look, son, tell me everything and I won't get upset. Yeah, right. We all remember that saying from our parents. <laughs> Even I do it now with my daughter. <laughs> and, you know, he like crap games. Yeah, crap games. He's like, I thought you weren't going to get mad, Pops. I lie. <laughs> and, you know, Lorenzo is like, this money is going back. And his wife is like, hold on, wait a minute. We already got it here. <laughs> and Lorenzo storms to the bar with uh, C and gives the money back to Sonny. Sonny is like, I didn't give you the money. I gave it to you, to him. He earned it. He worked for it. And, you know, Lorenzo is not happy about that. They kind of go back and forth. And Sonny is like, you know what? I'm not going to do this in front of him. See, go outside. And Lorenzo was like, hold on. I will tell my own son to go outside. Collagero, go outside. <laughs> so the two men end up having words after C goes out. And Lorenzo, he leaves he leaves out pissed because that is his son and he can see the change in his attitude already just from starting to be around this crew. And even throughout his own baseball cards that he worshiped and has a, you know, he like, my son has a bigger bank account than me. And he like, well, shit, I offered you a job. You turned it down. So when they leave, C is upset. He's a child about his money. He yells at Lorenzo and he gets slapped because, you know, he kind of gets smart and he is like, the working man is a sucker. And Lorenzo is like, no, no, you got it all wrong, son. The working man is the tough guy. They don't love him. They fear him. And there is a difference. So you will understand that when you get older and, you know, he kind of picks him up and gives him a hug. And he tells him, like, I'm sorry I hit you. I was upset. And we see eight years pass. And from that moment when he got into that altercation with Sonny, Lorenzo and Sonny never spoke again. And eight years passed. And as Collagero grew, Sonny grew in power. And they were friends. And that was the first part. And then we go to... uh. 1968 when we get a 17 year old collateral so we go to Atticut racetrack 1968 and so much has changed C is now 17 and the Yankees is in the last place and his once loved team he could not give a shit <laughs> everything has changed but the neighborhood is still the same the crew and Young C is all happy. They're at the racetrack. They baiting on the horse Kryptonite, and he is winning. And they like, we got this. Go on, Kryptonite. Go on, Kryptonite. And, you know, 
here comes Eddie the Mush. <laughs> and when Mush arrived, and he like, kryptonite, go kryptonite. Soon as they see him, they just rip up the tickets. And then see is like, hold on, there's still a chance. And Sonny is like, no. The mush beat on Kryptonite. And Kryptonite just gets to lose it. And, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, a lot has changed, but Mush, his luck has not changed. So we go back to the neighborhood and we see Ford Ham Social Club Deuces Wild. And we see the young crew has their own social club. They got cigarettes and a jukebox to pay the rent. And you know, we see Slick and Mario. They have grew up as well. Mario was going on about the Mario test on how you pull up at the highway. You pull next to a trucker. And then you got a broad in there. You get to put her head down. You know what I'm saying? And if she goes down on you, she's a pig and can't be trusted. So I don't know what kind of test Mario is on, but that's his little test child. And we see a car of four black men. They cruise through in they are pissed all but see of course so we see you know their attitudes have grew but still the same like collateral is still like you know it is what it is they just rolling through and we see slick and mario their anger has grew even more they're they pissed off about the blacks rolling through their neighborhood okay so um like i said this was the 60s and this was re this this movie is realistic this is what happened and we see um see just keep saying they're not bothering nobody they just passing through so we see a guy louie walks past who owes c twenty dollars and you know c is calling him but he making up every excuse like my mother's sick she's waiting on me <laughs> and we see that throughout this whole movie and we also see Lorenzo pulls up asking C to take a ride with them on uh, his last trip for the day on the bus. So when he gets on the bus, he don't feel like getting on the bus, of course, but he does it. And when he gets on there while the jazz is playing in the background, that good old beautiful jazz music, see, he kind of looks back and he locks eyes with the beautiful Jane, played by the beautiful Terrell Hicks. And they kind of gaze in each other's eyes and the whole ride, you know, they just kind of look at each other as that beautiful music is playing. And he's like, she was tall, she was beautiful, and she was black. And that was a no-no in his neighborhood. So Lorenzo ends up dropping C off. He promises him better music next time. And he kind of laughs it off. Lorenzo and, and Sonny, they kind of catch each other by the eyes and get the meme mugging each other from the corner. And he instantly sees the guy Louie again and starts chasing him for his $20. Sonny calls him over there to calm him down. And the guys are telling Sonny, like, you got to quit babying the kid, man. And, you know, Sonny gives him game like he always does. Like, do you even like this guy? Is he your friend? And he's like, no, I don't even like him. He like $20 to get rid of him. You got off cheap. And that's another gem. You know, sometimes it, you know, it is the principle of somebody done you wrong or owe you. But when you catch who they are, you learned who they are and you got off cheap. And it's not worth the, you know, the stellar heart reaction all the time that could lead to a lifetime of pain or, you know, punishment. So, like I said, it's gems throughout this whole movie. 
So Sonny tells him when he was in a joint, he read Machiavelli a lot. And that was a really big thing in the mafia. Most mafia men looked and went by the word of Machiavelli. And that's where Tupac uh, got the Machiavelli reference from because when he was in prison, he read Machiavelli. He even named his last album Machiavelli. And he, um, Sonny goes on to say about how, you know, he learned about availability and he taught, um, <clears throat> he, he kind of teaches uh see that and breaks down, you know, the difference between to be loved or respect. He gives him some really good advice and some really good game. And, you know, he tells him like, you know, availability is everything. I could live wherever I want to, but it's availability. I choose to stay in this neighborhood so I can be close by. And while they're at the restaurant and, you know, ordering lunch and talking, we see the bikes roll up. They roll up at the bar. And Sonny and C walk down. Jimmy Whispers is in there. He's telling the men, like, you're not dressed properly. And they say they only want a beer. Sonny goes over there. He asks him what's going on. They tell him, like, we just came in for a beer. <laughs> they got that music in the background. And I think that was the Beatles. Yeah, that was the Beatles playing in the background. And... We see uh, Sonny is like, they spoke like gentlemen. Let them have a beer. Soon as he gives them the okay, they sit down. They get their beer. Everything is okay. But they instantly fuck up. They instantly fuck up. Pouring a beer, throwing it all on Tony Toupee. And Sonny tells them to leave. And they're like, oh, fuck off. Okay. When Sonny locks that door, they knew instantly we made a fatal mistake. We came to the wrong bar. The whole crew, they come out the back. They got them baseball bats and everything. Poor Tony Toupe wig come off though. He picks it up and they beat their ass as they should. When they drag them outside, even the young bulls, they come and they finish them off. Bikes and all. And Sonny is like, look at me. I did this to you. And he is so pissed off. He's like, they ruined my whole fucking lunch. <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes of this movie when they beat the bikers up. So we get into the next scene and we see the young crew, Deuces Wild. They're buying guns from the neighborhood guy named Mickey, whose mom always called him Zero. And Sonny rolls up and he is pissed saying, you know, you guys are going to make this whole place hot and get us all pinched. And he slaps all of them around and he makes C come with him. He has really taken like this love, this liking into C. He looks at him like he could be his own son, you know, and he's, you know, he really takes him under his wing. He really cares about him. And he sees that the guys that he rode with, they're just trouble. So he gets on him and he keeps telling him, like, see, I'm giving you getting two educations, one from school and one from the street. This shit is not for you. My life is not for you. And, you know, the crew who you rolling with, they are jerk offs. So and they're going to get you killed. So we see the big fight C has when I'm sorry, we see the big fight. C goes. 
with his dad and they got seats and they're not so good seats remember his dad is a bus driver he doesn't make a lot of money so he doesn't have the, the best seats you would call those nosebleed seats and Sonny is there him and his crew their front side Sonny is even hugging the fighter and he shows generosity but lorenzo says no you know they invite them both down there and you know see is like dad he's trying to be your friend you know he's invited us down there and he's hurt he's like i'll pay good money to spend some time with you and i might can't afford their seats but you want to run down there the first chance you get and he's more hurt by that you know he can't even impress his son with the little he has because he has been exposed to this lifestyle so you know i felt where his father was coming from as well and, you know, he's like caught in the two worlds trying to please two men. You know, he wants to be a dad's son as well. But then he also wants to be Sonny's boy as well. So after that, we go into the next scene and we go to their high school. And C is with his friends and he notices Jane. And she is with her friends. They lock eyes and he kind of watches her from afar. And when he sees her alone, he approaches her. And he is like, you go to school here? And she's like, I'm Jane. I seen you on a bus. I'm Collagero. And she's like, what kind of name is that? <laughs> he like, it's Sicily. Well, Sicilian. I'm Italian. And she like, I like Italians. So, you know, he offers to walk her home, even though she lives off Webster Ave. She gives his hat some swag. And they make a movie date. We get a real cute scene. He walks her home all the way until about a block away from where she lives. And we see the brothers out there. They ain't buying it. <laughs> the brothers ain't buying it. And this is the 60s. And it's still a big racial divide. So he watches her walk away. And so the brothers come and they throw a bottle. And <clears throat> he takes off running. Now over in Collagero's neighborhood. Some of the young boys, the young black boys are riding their bikes. They're passing through and they ride past the social club of the young boys and they get to beating them down. Now, Collagero, he's back over there in his neighborhood. Now, when he runs over there and he just kind of stands over one of the guys like, look, just, just stay down. I don't want to hurt you. <clears throat> and... <clears throat> You know, we got everybody in the neighborhood. They're in the windows or whatever, like 5-0 coming, 5-0 coming. And Collagero is trying to get slick off of him. He like, they already caught the police. Chill out, you're going to kill him. He like, I want to kill him. Damn. What he do to you? So we go into the, the next scene, and Collagero goes over to Sonny's home, and they talk. He tells him about Jane and, you know, he likes her, but she's black and he doesn't want to hear his friend's mouth. And Sonny is like, fuck them. When, when you guys turn off the lights and you two are in bed, if you like this girl, you go after this girl. Those kids who you care so much about their opinions, they going to end up dead or in jail. So he tells him, you know, you only get three great ones. And he teaches him about the very, 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 very famous door test. <laughs> and if she don't pass, dump her. She's a selfish broad, dump her. You, you open that door, 
you let her in, you make sure both doors are locked, and when you walk to the back, if you don't see her reach over and unlock that door, dump her. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> he like dump her, he like dump her. So, um, he promises him like, look, I want you to make a good impression on this girl. So when you go pick her up for your movie date, get my car. And he's like, you don't let nobody get your car, Sonny. He's like, no, you get my car. So when he goes to his dad for the same hypothetical advice, he doesn't come out and say it, but he goes to him for advice, but acts like it's for somebody else. And his dad, he has a different approach. He doesn't, you know, think of himself as racist, but he just feels like, you know, people should marry their own. And to be fair, I, I'm black. I'm, you know, African-American, very proud, very proud black woman. And I don't think that's racist in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Some people just want to marry within their own. If that's how you feel, I'm not going to say his father, Lorenzo, was racist in this movie. And that's just my opinion. In life, you're entitled to your own opinion. And <clears throat> we see... C is all, like, just for instance, just not to go far, like, for instance, I love seeing black love. Black love is beautiful to me. Love is beautiful to me. But, you know, I just didn't think he was racist for saying that, you know. Um, certain conversations have gotten so uncomfortable to have. And <clears throat> sometimes, you know, everything is just not so black and white, if that makes sense. But let's get back to the movie. Let's get back to the movie, y'all. So, we see... C is all excited for his date. He got the door ready for the door test. And when Jane arrives, she is pissed. She has brought her brother. And she tells him, like, look, my brother got beat up in your neighborhood yesterday. He came with me. And he he said you was there. And he like, I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. And when Willie gets out the car, child... Willie like that was him that was him and see like you're lying I tried to help you and Jane like oh so you was there and he like, he like I tried to help you you fucking nigger what, what, what you say huh, you, what huh hmm? what, what you say <laughs> and Willie is like see see and they get in their car they dipped off collagero drives back home he's upset he drops sunny car off sunny like what happened did you go on a date you back quick and while he's pulling up his dad sees him from the window driving sunny's car and he like i don't want to talk about it just there go your keys so sunny and his crew they leave in sunny's car and when c gets back home him and his father argue about him driving sunny's car he takes a lot of that frustration out on his father he tells him that you know the working man is a sucker again and he goes to tell him like look you call that man your friend but he don't trust anybody if you fuck up he will kill you and see he gets disrespectful even says you know something about his grandfather and you know he storms out the house so as he walks to the social club he see that the brothers they didn't came back and they didn't got payback so they didn't threw some eggs at their door and sunny rolls up <clears throat> and <clears throat> as he's rolling up Collateral's friends take off because you know he didn't already told them to stay away from C. And you know, Sonny 
he like, what the fuck did you do to my car? And he like, was there even a Jane? And he gets to him and see up for the first time ever. This is his only time even raising his voice. And he hemmed him up. And, you know, he tells him like, you know, something was on his engine. And Collagero starts crying like, you've been like a father to me. Why would I ever do anything to you? And he kind of snaps out of it and lets him go. But Lorenzo comes chasing down and he's like, what did you do to my son? And they kind of punch Lorenzo. I, I feel bad for Lorenzo. And he's like, mind your fucking business, you know. <laughs> and that's the first time that they've even spoken in all of these years. So, see, he hops in a car with his crew. They got cocktails, guns, and shit as they are headed to the black neighborhood for their payback. And we see Collagero is contemplating in his head. He kind of like going back and forth thinking like he wants out of this car. He keeps hearing Sonny's voice. He keeps hearing his father Lorenzo's voice. And Sonny pulls up and makes him get out the car he slaps they ass around like i told y'all to stay away from this kid and he saved his life and when he gets in the car with sunny they talk and you know he like you really don't trust me you mean you tell me you don't trust anybody and he had to let him know like look not trusting anyone is the only way i can live and he like that won't be me that won't be me and when they make it back to the bar, they tell him that a young lady, which is Jane, has just left from looking for him. So he like, look, I told you. So he takes off and catches up with Jane. She tells them about her brother lied and he was just upset. And, you know, they kind of apologize to each other. And as they're talking, we see neighbors you know, it's the 60s, so they're standing out the damn window watching and everything, and he get the cussing their ass out, and they make up, and we get a beautiful kiss, and Jane like, that's not a kiss, this is a kiss, and she shows him what a kiss really is, <laughs> so That was just a beautiful scene. I, when I watched it, I was like, you better get your man, girl. <laughs> they were so cute together. So we see they both apologize. He remembers what his crew was on their way to do. As she mentions her brother. And he's like, oh, shit, your brother. And he like, give me your keys. Give me your keys. And as they're hopping in the car, he looks at, he has time to stop and look. And she passes the test. She reaches over. She unlocks that door. And he is like, yes! <laughs> you know, he's so excited. Like, I knew you was the great one, was one of the great ones. And she like, you a great one? And he like, oh, it's an Italian thing. So we see um, <clears throat> they head there. And we remember... <clears throat> We remember the guys were on their way to the neighborhood. They had the cocktails. Um, and they get there. And this was this was a very sad scene. A very, very, very sad scene. Thank you. 
got that James Brown playing in the background and we get the showdown as they start throwing cocktails in the buildings one of the brothers sees one still on the ground he throws it back and lands in a car we see the boys going crazy as they're catching a fire the car blows up and that was the end of their story. <clears throat> Jane and C, they arrive. And they see all of the fires and all of their bodies laid there burnt up. The neighborhood is going off on C. Hell, they even going off on Jane. You hear somebody in the background saying, fuck that bitch too. This was... um. A very, very sad scene. You got the saxophone music playing in the background at this time. It's very deep. It's very sad. It's very deep-rooted. And it was the 60s. And um, see, he just has an epiphany. And he thinks, like, I was in this car. Sonny saved my life. And when he's thinking, he's like, I got to go. And he runs back. And when he makes it to the bar, he is so excited to see Sonny. And the, the bar is jumping. And Sonny is so happy. He's like, let my boy through. Let my boy through. And everybody's so happy. And C just happens to notice a face. And he noticed one guy out of that crowd. And he is the only guy not smiling. And he comes right behind Sonny and shoots him in the head. Oh, I hated that scene because I loved it, Sonny. I love this, Sonny. And we find out that the guy who killed Sonny was the guy who Sonny killed eight years ago. It was his son. It was the same young boy that we saw at the funeral all them years ago. And when we go into the next scene, we go straight to the funeral and we see nothing but gangsters there. And it is just like Sonny said, it would be. Nobody cares. So C stays they're the longest he's paying his respects he's thanking him for saving his life and we meet the man from eight years ago who was inside the car getting his head beat with the baseball bat and his name is Carmite aka Joe Pesky the Great I love me some Joe Pesky baby and he asks him you know to he finally asked that question to the person who was, you know, involved. Was that fight really over a parking space? And he tells him no. So he tells him, if you need anything, I'll be in town for a while running things. I mean anything. I'm here. Lorenzo arrives to pay his respect. And he's, you know, says his piece to Sonny. He thanks him as well for saving C's life. And he is like, make may God have mercy on your soul. <clears throat> C says his goodbyes, and he tells Sonny, like, <clears throat> nobody cares, huh? You were wrong about that, Sonny. And he kind of kisses him on the forehead, and he, like, wasted talent. And for the first time in the movie ever, his dad calls him C. Because remember, he always said, I gave you the name Collateral. That's your name. And he's like, let's go home, C. And... It's just so deep, you know. It's so beautiful. Like out of all that time, he finally called him. Um, 
C. And, you know, he just tells them, like, they go home. And he says, well, it ends with, you can ask anybody from my neighborhood. And they will just tell you, this was just another Bronx tale. On the streets of the Bronx is where I wanna be. And that was my recap of the movie A Bronx Tale from 1993, which is my all-time favorite movie. It was uh, written by Chaz Palminteri. He wrote it on his own. <clears throat> his story is so inspiring to me as writing my first novel. And in my head, if I write my first book and get it published like I'm praying, you know, I do, it's going to mean the world to me, guys. And... My plan is I want to write three books. I have three stories that I want to tell. Um, the book I'm writing now, I want to do a sequel. And then I have another one I want to write. And his story inspires me. This whole movie is like what I want my book to be like. This movie was so real. It touched on so many things. So many, real, so many realistic scenes. So many gems. It wasn't over-sexualized. Um, I just loved everything about this. I am a big fan of all of the mafia movies, and I ranked this number one. And that was my recap. I couldn't wait to do this um, movie review. <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, I really don't do movies too much, but I do plan on starting to do them, maybe like one movie a month. Or like if you guys have any special requests, I'll do that, of course. But like for movies I pick on my own, I'm going to try to do one movie a month once we're done with our snowfall and Fridays. So um, I hope you guys have been checking up on the content. I did my power book to ghost recap earlier. I did my snowfall Friday and I did Queens. I won't be back on to probably Wednesday night with my Queens recap. I'll be back on Friday for snowfall and then Sunday, of course, for power book two. As always, thank you guys for your support. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, you can always hit me up on either any of those platforms I announced earlier. I love you guys, and I hope you guys have a safe and beautiful week. So much going on out there. Stay safe. Just never give up on yourself. Do what you want to do. Put your mind to it, and you might fall. It might fail the first time, but get back up and do it again. Thank you guys again. It's your girl, Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl, Shanice.